Welcome back to Radical Ones. I'm your host, Xander Schultz. I'm here with Jill Adams, the executive director of If, When, How. Jill, how are you doing? Thank you so much for coming. I'm doing great, Xander. Really happy to be here with you today. Jill, how would you describe the problem your organization is solving? There are many problems we are attempting to solve in this moment, and thankfully we're not doing it alone, but as part of a broad reproductive health rights and justice movement. A specific problem that I'd love to talk with you about today is that of SB8. It is a patently unconstitutional law, the likes of which we've never seen before. Um, It went into effect on September 1st in Texas. It turns abortion opponents into bounty hunters, cuts pregnant people off from networks of care, and scares them from seeking help from the loved ones uh, should they get sued under this law. I can tell you a little bit about more about the law. SB8 was crafted by anti-abortion lawyers and lawmakers attempting to eliminate abortion access in Texas and trying to evade federal judicial review. It bans abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, which is bad in and of itself, horrible in fact. Um, But SB8 is different from other abortion bans because it deputizes other Texans rather than Texas government officials to enforce the law. So under SB8, anyone can be a plaintiff in a lawsuit against someone who provides an abortion or aids and abets, even unintentionally, an abortion provided in violation of the six-week ban. This includes paying for an abortion, providing insurance coverage for an abortion, and people could get hauled into court and ordered to pay $10,000 to the plaintiff in the lawsuit. So Mm. this opens the floodgates to frivolous litigation brought by anybody with an ax to grind um, against just about anybody involved in helping in supporting and serving people who need abortions. So targets include healthcare providers, abortion fund volunteers, advocates, as well as partners, moms, siblings, and friends just helping their loved one get help during their time of need. And of course, even though SB8 doesn't target people who have abortions, it would be impossible to pursue such a lawsuit without violating the privacy and disrupting the lives of the people who had the abortions that are the focus of the lawsuits. So that's a big problem. We are a part of trying to solve today. Wild. The, the ban after six weeks eff- effectively bans abortion, right? Like, I, I wonder how many people even realize they're pregnant and then have time between that and being able to schedule an abortion before six weeks. Well, exactly. Because, you know, technically the ban prohibits abortion providers from performing abortion care once they can detect a fetal heartbeat. And that typically occurs around six weeks. And so that means providers cannot provide abortion care to the vast majority of people in the state of Texas, because as you pointed out, many people don't even know they're pregnant at that point. We're talking about possibly two weeks past a missed period. And something else about the timing to keep in mind is that SB8's timing requirements make getting an abortion for a young person nearly impossible because young people in Texas who cannot or will not involve a parent or guardian in their abortion decision have only one other choice And that is to um, go before a judge and ask for an order to allow their abortion. It's called a judicial bypass. That takes days to get legal assistance, to file a petition, to um, go to the court for the hearing. And so SB8 is even more restrictive for um, Texas's young, young people than for even other Texans needing abortion care. I imagine this like also just uh, as is everything in the world, but it disproportionately affects people who don't have the income to like even try to navigate all of these, you know, potential routes that, hey, maybe I go out of state, maybe I do the process you just mentioned. All of that is not possible for the majority of folks, I imagine. You're 100% right. So Texas, like 
35 other states falls in line with the federal Hyde Amendment, which prohibits Medicaid coverage of abortion care in almost all cases. So people who rely on Medicaid as their form of insurance can't get their abortion covered and are forced to pay out Mm. of pocket. And these are costs that are prohibitively expensive for somebody whose income is so low that they qualify for Medicaid. Also, SB8 restricts the rights of all Texans, but that's an impact that's going to fall especially hard on Black, Latinx, and Indigenous Texans who are more likely to face additional barriers to health care, including abortion care. So whether anyone actually sues anyone under SB8, the law has already had the effect of stopping the provision of abortion care in Texas after six weeks. And like you said, people whose income, immigration status, experience of intimate partner violence, a lack of access to transportation to reach their abortion, and various other barriers will prevent them from leaving the state for abortion care. And they will either be forced to remain pregnant with all of the risks and the life challenges that entails or to self-manage an abortion. The deputizing of citizens felt especially dystopian. I think I knew this uh, was coming up a couple weeks ahead of time, and I underappreciated how how much interest it would garner. And I think that's because I didn't fully understand the deputizing of Texans to go basically hunt down their neighbor mm-hmm. and sue them. I wonder both what your reaction was to that. Am I right in that it's super unique? I'd never heard of anything like that, even in other countries. And is there fear that this will go outside of Texas? There's going to be a lot of copycats. Yeah, you're right on both counts. So first of all, this is unprecedented. And there's great concern about this mechanism, um, so much so that the U.S. Department of Justice has even brought suit and challenged the state of Texas on a variety of of claims, including that Texas itself is the rightful defendant, even though it has very purposely tried to deputize Texas residents instead of itself right. in order to evade, you know, federal judicial review. Because the resident who brings the claim is the defendant, right? The state's not the defendant. Close. The resident who brings the claim is the plaintiff. They are the ones entitled to a $10,000 fee if they are successful, and they will have their attorney's fees covered. Whereas the defendant, the person who they they accuse of aiding and of providing an abortion in violation of SB eight or aiding and abetting um, someone in in providing abortion care beyond the six weeks, that person's a defendant. They do not get their legal costs covered, and they would have to pay out of pocket ten thousand dollars to the plaintiff. It's wild. It's ludicrous. I mean, it's not hard to imagine like the slippery slope that opens up if that's allowed. <laughs> like, I, I this Absolutely. podcast specifically is not about that, but there is like a full-on dystopian world when folks... Do you know why they can receive 10000 Are they claiming harm? What is the... They don't have to claim harm. They don't have to have any sort of relationship to the person. They don't have to claim anything. They just get it for proving it. They just get it for, for having enough evidence to prove it, yeah, which is a very low, low bar. So, I mean, it can be pretty much baseless, and they can bring these wow. claims, and even if they are unsuccessful... That person has had to put their life on hold, come up with the the money to pay an attorney to defend them in this lawsuit. Yep. It's just, it's, I feel like it could have repercussions of untold proportions. And you're right. There are already states considering copycat laws. But people need to think about this. Even for people who take issue with abortion or might not even think that abortion should be legal, this approach to sort of vigilante enforcement of laws 
by deputized bounty hunters, that can spread across all manner of things. There are a lot of issues in this country that are very contentious that a lot of people would not want their neighbors to be in charge of enforcing. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can think about drug possession, you can think about gun possession, you can think about all manner of things. There's no end to it. I don't know if Republicans are still claiming fear of big government. I don't know if that's still part of their drumbeat these days, but it certainly would have raised flags for that old guard of Republicans for sure. Well, so we started this podcast because naturally when you hear about crazy shit like this, your next inclination, if you're someone who has, you know, any resources or any connections, like what the hell can I do about this? Your next question, like how do I get involved in helping here? And what we like to do is then answer that question by presenting someone like yourself who's been doing such great work for so long and is directly addressing what's happening here. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how your organization is responding to SBA. Sure. So what I think is important for your listeners to know is that while SBA does not make anything a crime, nor does it directly address self-managed abortion, like all restrictions on clinic-based abortion, though, is SBA increases the likelihood that people will both need to self-manage their abortion and be criminalized for either ending their own pregnancy or helping another person do so. Anti-abortion laws, particularly one that encourages harassment in civil court, foment stigma and antipathy toward people who have abortions, which in turn Mm. increases criminalization. After all, politically motivated prosecutors misuse laws in order to punish people for their reproductive decisions. We've been seeing it for years. And it's more likely that Black, Latinx, and Indigenous people, as well as transgender, gender non-conforming folks, whom the state already targets for disparate surveillance, arrest, prosecution, incarceration, will mm-hmm. be targeted for taking you know, health care into their own hands as a result of SB8. So I think it's important for folks to know that. And if they have questions and want to learn more, about self-managed abortion in the law, they can contact If When House Repro Legal Helpline at reprolegalhelpline.org for legal advice, information, and referrals. So having that information and passing that along is one thing people can do right away. In addition, if SB8 or any other abortion restrictions give rise to criminalization of people for ending a pregnancy outside the formal medical system, we also have the Repro Legal Defense Fund, which can provide bail support and funds to uh, support people's attorney's fees and expert witnesses in their cases. That's another tool for people to be aware of and pass along to those who might need it. Another thing, big thing that people can do right now is to donate money. Donate money to organizations in Texas, grassroots, local, and state. I want to be really clear that donating money is not aiding and abetting the performance or inducement of an abortion performed in violation of SB8's six-week ban. Donations are also a First Amendment protected activity. So people do not need to worry that by donating to Texas-based organizations, they could themselves be sued under SB8. I have two suggestions about areas where people can specifically target their funding. First are Texas abortion funds and second, Texas independent abortion clinics. So the first groups in Texas, I think 10 different abortion funds and practical support networks in Texas have come together to create an act blue opportunity So someone can give once and have their donations split equally among all of these different great organizations. James Due Process, the Bridge Collective, Frontera Fund, Texas Equal Access Fund, West Fund, Support Your Sister at the AFIA Center, Clinic Access Support Network, Whole Women's Health Alliance, the Lilla Fund, and Fund Texas Choice are all included there. And then the second is the Abortion Care Network is raising money to help independent clinics from across the country 
through a, a campaign called keepourclinics.org. They're already receiving patients from Texas in nearby states and not so nearby states. And so these already overburdened clinics are even more overtaxed as a result of SB8. Mm. And then one last thing that people can do um, as we know that throughout the course of history, pregnant people who are determined and resourceful will find ways to not be pregnant. And thankfully in Mm -hmm. 2021, they can have safe and effective at-home abortions with the advent of abortion pills. What we need is for people's language to evolve the way that the practice of self-managed abortion has evolved. So using non-stigmatizing language, resisting dated tropes about coat hangers and back alleys that just don't reflect the reality of self-managed abortion today, When we normalize all the ways that people can care for themselves and end pregnancies, we help to disrupt the criminalization of people who have abortion and reinforce that everyone has the human right to self-determine their reproductive lives. Thank you so much. I I want to leave, like we always leave the floor to our guests. uh, So the floor is yours for any final thoughts you want to share. I feel like you've just been very, you've been generous with me and I I was able to share everything that I um, wanted to say other than just please stay tuned. You know, there's so much happening in the world right now and it's easy to lose track of a case or a set of cases, but this is not a drill. This is not a rehearsal. Reproductive rights are more imperiled than they have ever been. And we are on the brink of potentially losing Roe v. Wade, which we cannot do. But also bear in mind that Roe provides a floor to our reproductive rights and not the ceiling. There's much work to do to really realize meaningful reproductive healthcare access and to ensure that everyone, irrespective of their income level, their insurance source, or their geography, is able to self-determine their reproductive lives free from the threat of arrest and free from stigma. I love how you said, uh, you know, you kind of said everything you wanted to say and then proceeded to make one of the most inspirational speeches, short speeches <laughs> I've heard this year. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Jill, it's an honor to call you a friend. Thank you so much for your work and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Xander. Thank you for listening to Radical Ones. If you're looking for more content like this, you can head over and be a supporter on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Radical Ones. You can also follow us on social at Radical Ones Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram. I hope this finds you happy, healthy, and safe. Take care.